Welcome to the Lightly Salted Podcast. These are the readings and sermons of St. John's Lutheran Church of Park Rapids, Minnesota. They are offered so that the Word of God would shape and strengthen you to be what He calls you to be, salt and light. You can find us at stjohnspr.org. Now, on to the Word. The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday in Lent is recorded in the 12th chapter of Genesis, the first nine verses. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. And Abram Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all their possessions that they had gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and I on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on, still going toward the Negev. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The epistle is from the fourth chapter of St. Paul's letter to the Romans, beginning with verse 1. What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And to the one who does not work, but trusts him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. Just as David also speaks of the blessing of the one to whom God counts righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man against whom the Lord will not count his sin. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null, and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. 
in the presence of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We omit the hallelujah, but we do stand in respect of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, dear Christian friends, our text today is the gospel we read earlier, especially verses 5 and 17. Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Since he knew that I would be preaching on John 3.16, last week Pastor Neubauer showed me an advertisement from a religious publishing house that said, celebrate March 16th as John 3.16 day. 
Well, I thought that there'd be something new and unique to present about that familiar Bible verse, so I went and checked that out. I could not figure out why they chose March 16th as John 3.16 day. I want you to know, you know, what kind of a visitation pastor you have. I was very slow to figure out third month, 16th day. Now it makes sense. Hold on to that thought because that's actually going to be kind of a major part of the message this morning. This idea of not understanding, being slow to grasp something that should be very obvious. But when I finally realized what the significance of that was, then I, I wondered about today, March 5th, John 3, 5 day. And so that's why I included that fifth verse that talks about being born of water and the Spirit. And that, of course, happens when God baptizes a person, when God gives a second birth to someone, a birth from heaven, brand new. Now, a sign of baptism is the seashell. Now, John 3.16 is called the gospel in a nutshell, so it seemed that John 3.5 should be called the gospel in a seashell because both of those things, God's baptizing and God's loving the world and bringing believers to eternal life are, are clearly, purely gospel, God's work. We didn't cause our physical birth to happen and we don't cause our spiritual birth to happen. God did it out of great love for his world, love for you. And, and, and it's a miracle. It's every bit as much as you first appearing in life, born from your mother, and now appearing spiritually born from God. Life from heaven, leading to life in heaven. Now, if we were just looking at John 3.16 only, our theme today would be almost reciting that verse, that God loved the world so that whoever believes has eternal life. But bringing in John 3, verse 5, and using a, a, a verb to, to kind of cover that concept of being born, our theme becomes God loved the world and birthed you so that you have eternal life life. See, now this is the part of the sermon where we usually look at the text and we try to figure out what's the problem in the text? What's the sin that we're looking at? Sometimes the problem is idolatry or unbelief or coveting. Not today. Today the problem is that a, a prominent man named Nicodemus was ashamed to come to Jesus for further instruction. He's a teacher. He's the one who's teaching everybody else. And so he comes at night under the cover of darkness. And that's not the worst sin in the world. And then when Jesus tells this teacher of Israel about this need to have God give birth to someone over again in order that that person be born in a very new 
and heavenly manner from above, he doesn't get it. Just like me in that John 3.16 thing. Now, being a little slow, not understanding, isn't the worst sin in the world, but it is the one that we're going to focus on today. Not understanding. Especially not understanding the ways of God. Not understanding the grace of God in loving a world that really didn't love Him. We could go back to Adam and Eve, and they knew God perfectly. But when sin came, they lost that knowledge of God's grace, and they passed that loss of knowledge onto every generation all the way to you and me, your not-so-smart visitation pastor. It's kind of like Nineveh in the Old Testament where it was a highly advanced city, but spiritually speaking, the Bible says that the people didn't know their right hand from their left. And so God pitied them. And now Nicodemus is a teacher and a ruler, but when it comes to understanding God's grace and God's love for the world, he didn't know his right hand from his left. Like everyone else, he had lost this essential knowledge about God. So when Jesus talks about being born again or born from above, all he can think about is how can this be? How can a physical birth take place again? Well, what else could he think? He didn't have the knowledge anymore to understand that God loved the world and would birth him again so that he would have this new and eternal life. But what about us? We still operate from a very human and natural and earthly and physical way of looking at things. And how could we not? Because we're human and natural and earthly and physical. How can we be just the opposite of all of those things? How can we be higher than human? How can we be supernatural, heavenly, and spiritual? How can we be completely new and different? How can we be born again, or born from above by God's power through water and spirit? Well, God has to do that. God brings us to life in Christ. And if that's true, and it certainly is, apart from Jesus, on our own, we would be dead to God. You've heard the expression of a person sleeping so soundly that they're dead to the world. Well, we should be dead to the world when it comes to the influence and the sins of the world but instead we're not we respond to that humanly we're dead to god instead so in addition to confessing all of those great terrible sins today we confess that we don't understand god's ways sometimes we just don't get it Sometimes we, like Nicodemus, keep wondering, what do I have to do? 
when God has done it all. God is loving us from heaven, different from any love that is ever known. God loved the world and birthed you so that you have eternal life. Well, now, this is the place in the sermon where you kind of go back to the text and, and back to the Bible verse that we've been highlighting and, and find God's solution to the problem. Well, here it's pretty clear. The problem was this lack of knowledge, the lack of ability to know God and his grace. John 3.16 is called the gospel in a nutshell because it very clearly and plainly tells us of God's love not just for good people, but for the whole world. And that love included those who came to him secretly at night, those who came to him boldly in the daytime, intent on killing him on the cross. God gave his Son for all. Believe that Jesus is the Savior from God and that the result is eternal life. But, you know, none of that would have been very good, very comforting if God had not also given a way for all to believe. And that's where this union of John 3, verse 5, and John 3, verse 16 come together so well. So that earthly people could believe heavenly things, God birthed people gave life to people all over again. God birthed earthly people into heavenly people. God washed people with water and the Word, giving His Holy Spirit. And so Nicodemus didn't just get a, a valuable lesson from Jesus that night. It appears that he got that new life from above that he was born of water in the Spirit. Something drastic happened. Because Nicodemus, who came to Jesus secretly so nobody would see him, later on in John chapter 7, I think it is, came to, to defense of Jesus when the other Pharisees were accusing him of blasphemy. Nicodemus stood up and publicly defended him. And then after Jesus was crucified, when all of the other disciples were hiding in fear. Nicodemus was the one who brought the spices to prepare Jesus' body and wrap it for burial, and then he helped place Jesus' body in the tomb. That new life to which God causes us to be born to isn't just for the future in heaven. It's new as soon as one is united with Jesus united with Christ by God's love, by God's grace and action with the water and the Spirit. And so God loved the world and birthed each believer so that they have eternal life. And what about us? John 3.16 is our gospel in a nutshell. John 3.5 is our gospel in a seashell, that baptism symbol. Both of those things are God's work for us. We've talked about how God loved the whole world, and that's wonderful news for the world in general. But I can't stop until I mention it again, specifically that one part of the world that God especially loved. God loved 
you. Jesus gave his life for you. And by the depth of his love and the power of his word, God causes you to believe and receive that eternal life. And when we cannot understand or comprehend this grace and love of God because we're alive to this world but dead to God, God makes us alive to him. And when we're in the dark about this new life, God doesn't just give us better instructions on how to live. He makes us alive in Christ. And this life doesn't start when we die and go to heaven. No, it's eternal. Because we're united with Christ who is eternal. The water and the Spirit unites us to Him. We're united to Christ's death with respect to our sins. We're united with Christ's resurrection with respect to this new life that we live from above. And then throughout this spiritual life, God continues to feed us with His Word and His sacraments so that this faith stays alive and continues to grow. And growing in God's Word, we even get some of that knowledge back that we lost. By God's miracle of new birth, we have faith in the Spirit. Faith and a life that is really living. God loved the world and birthed you so that you have eternal life. You know, every once in a while we still see on television a sign in a ballpark, somebody holding up John 3.16. The sign itself can't do very much. We could all do a little bit more. We could teach one another Pastors always tell stories. We say, oh, eternal life is, is like, and then we say what it compares to. But Jesus does so much more. Jesus doesn't just say eternal life is like being born again. He actually does it. He causes a child of God to come into being. He caused you to come to eternal life. Amen. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to Lightly Salted. We'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at stjohnspr.org or look for us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Our thanks to Eric Medeish at soundimage.org for Morning Jew. God's blessings.